Welcome to Beautiful Humans, the social change cast, where behavior analysis and social justice collide. Join us as we aim to move the needle on personal and social change by tapping into the beautiful humans inside of all of us. Follow us on Spotify, Apple, or whatever medium you prefer to make sure you never miss an episode. You can find us on Instagram at Beautiful Humans Change and on Facebook at Beautiful Humans, the social change cast. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, go to www.patreon.com slash beautifulhumans to become a Patreon. Welcome back, beautiful humans. It's Denisha. And this is Aaron. We are recording on Zoom right now without Alan. So hopefully everything is working out just fine. But we have been working really hard to put together this really special um, episode for Pride Month. And we have probably spent the longest time recording collectively for one episode. Because <laughs> it's been all these different individual recordings. Um, but we were throwing around ideas of what we want to do. And we had like our traditional panel idea and getting some voices together. And I think um, through that conversation, we had arrived at this idea to allow people to tell their stories in the way that they wanted them to be told. So Denisha and I, we, we collaborated on some questions to ask people and we gave them like time limits. Some are really short, some are a little bit longer. Um, it's, I think, honestly, the diversity and all of that is, is just beautiful in and of itself. What, how do you think the recordings have gone so far? I think they're are all very different and unique from one another and that's the beautiful part about letting people tell their stories is you can't put people tightly into a box and think that because folks have intersecting um, experiences that their entire um, story is going to be shared and the same and it's not even though there's so there's so much overlap, like there are so many different themes that we hear present through all of the interviews. Um, so that it's like it's like loving the differences and the commonalities at the same time. I think that's life for sure. And we worked really hard to try to find a a, a diverse set of people to span different identities, um, and of course within this community you're never it's like infinite ways that you can identify so um we know that we have not even like scratched Scratch the surface and even within the identities that we got everybody's experience is drastically different too so um we hope that you all really enjoy some of the stories um we hope that you all share your stories with us social media got anything else happy pride month Roll it. Hi, uh, I'm Akanksha Chetri. I am a queer brown woman. My preferred pronouns are she and her. And um, I'm originally from India, but I currently live and work in Ghana. So um, I feel like I'd, I'd like to tell people from my part of the world or, you know, in places where uh, things uh, related to identity, gender, um, you know, sexual orientation, they're still very taboo. Uh, I'd like to tell them that it does not matter where you come from and it is actually very possible to live your truth uh, and be happy. And of course, you know, there are struggles. Uh, there are always going to be struggles, but any struggle is worth it if you know you're not struggling from within and you feel like you're living your best life yeah so growing up i for a long time i couldn't uh, i didn't have words uh, to describe the things that i was feeling i always felt like there was something wrong with me there wasn't much representation in the media or, you know, no one really talked about these things. So I'd like to actually go back and tell my younger self that I didn't need to feel so alone, that I was normal, there was nothing wrong. And also, uh, you know, when I did finally uh, get into my first relationship and when I came out to some of my friends and my brother, they were amazing about it. And there was so much love and there was so much acceptance. So I'd like to actually go back 
if i had known that earlier i i probably have come out much sooner and been more comfortable with who i am and i um, yeah that's what i like to go back and tell myself there wasn't much uh, representation in the media and not that there's much even now but it's relatively better and i have more exposure now but as a child that i remember i used to watch the oprah winfrey show and suddenly the time slot in which that was and there was some access to guests on her show uh, that were you know from our community but then they removed the oprah winfrey show and they started uh, broadcasting the ellen degeneres show and initially i was uh, you know because the 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 vibe of both those programs is so different that uh, it was an adjustment but then when i did like initially i was like who is this lady who's always singing and dancing on tv uh, but then when i did actually get into it i was uh, it was so nice because there here was this woman who was uh, completely comfortable with who she was and she was living a very quote unquote normal life like you know she had a girlfriend she went and got married and she was so open about who she was so i'd still say that uh ellen was like my starting point uh and i still feel like uh, if i watch something by her it, it's very reassuring it's very positive and i like that i think pride uh means self love very simply put uh it's uh loving every part of yourself so much that you know there's no space for obscurity uh no no there's no darkness associated with uh who you are and how you feel about yourself as a person and pride pride month is about celebrating that part of you know every part of yourself so self love so i'm barb gross she her hers pronouns um so this question of identity is fascinating to me um i have the privilege of being um yeah a white cis gender woman so it's really easy for me to forget that that's important um that that is something that's distinct um so and then with regard to asexuality it's interesting also because um the way that that can be defined is so like there are so many different pieces to that um when it comes down to it um i think i'm still you know trying to piece everything together but ultimately i identify as a kind of sort of grayish um asexual that's not entirely heteroromantic but maybe kind of mostly <laughs> there's a lot of signed kind of sort of also um there's a super cool model of asexuality where it's not like a a like a color spectrum but it's um it's a, it's layers it's almost like like a cake or like a soil sample where there's um you know a sexual interest or desire and then there's also like romantic interest and desire um and who it is under which circumstances for all of that um yeah there're just all these pieces there are probably a couple of things i think the thing that i always find interesting noteworthy and a little hilarious is that i didn't recognize that i identified on the asexuality spectrum until i was in my 40s and it wasn't until um i started on the path to become a certified sexuality educator so part of that process is going through it's called a, a sexuality attitude reassessment sexuality attitudes reassessment um and it it sounds a little bizarre maybe but part of it really is watching sexually explicit video and tuning into what's going on what that is occasioning and one of the follow up questions at the end by uh one of the sex therapists that was facilitating was you know what are you noticing about this what are what are you noticing that is bringing up arousal that you didn't expect or maybe is bring up something aversive that you didn't expect and all of these other people in the room 
mostly sex therapists, a couple of sexuality educators, and they're talking about the things that they thought were really sexy that they didn't expect. And I was kind of sitting there going like, I was kind of bored <laughs> the, like, for the whole thing. And I couldn't, it, it was blowing my mind that when people talk about actually looking at something and having this reaction that made them think about sex or made them want to have sex, that that was actually a real thing that people experienced. I had no idea. And then that led to some follow-up conversations with people where I say, hey, when you say, you know, when you're out and you look at somebody, you say, yeah, I'd hit that or whatever you say. Like, you actually mean that you're looking at that person, you're thinking about wanting to have sex with that person. And they said, oh, yeah. And I went, really? Like, that's actually, a th I thought that was a made-up thing. I thought those were, like, made up sort of fantasy ways that people were kind of talking about um, wanting to be, you know, connected, but not necessarily like that. Ugh. So many things with regard to um, sexual interest and sexual desire. Um, what's I think also relevant with my story. So I have uh, now a teenager. <laughs> um, I am in a, a long-term relationship. Like I have a spouse, right? Um, and that I think kind of confuses people when I say yeah, I identify as asexual. And they're like, wait a minute, you had a kid. Like, you know how that works. So it's like, of course I know how that works. Um, and I think that uh, <laughs> I, I literally teach people how that works. There's there are a lot of pieces to partnered sexual experiences that may not necessarily come from you know innate desire to engage in that sort of you know it, it, to engage in partnered sexual behavior, right? So there's you know sex with somebody else can be you know, a form of communication. It can be transactional. It's you know there are a lot of pieces that go with that and. Um, the, I think that's the thing is that sex as a way to communicate and a way to connect or, or in addition, sex as a way to, for lack of a better term, to get what you want from somebody, that doing those things doesn't necessarily map onto attraction or desire. And that was, I think, what made things confusing for me. Um, and something else that I think about a lot is there's, there's a lot of, when I started learning more about asexuality and what that was and what that meant to a bunch of different people in, that, in the ace community, um, there was this light bulb at one point where it was like, wait a minute, that's, you're talking like those things. That's, I remember having that realization. Or I remember, um, you know, watching, you know, some, you know, steamy scene in a movie and just feeling kind of like a little bit weirded out and almost like grossed out sometimes. And that felt very, like that felt wrong because that's not, that's not the way that we're told we're supposed to feel about that. Um, so just having that realization, like that's a thing that some people experience and that's okay. Um, and something that I've become very sensitive to. And as I'm working with people as a sexuality educator, when I talk about things like masturbation or things like, um, you know, having interest in sex where I don't say, you know what, everybody masturbates absolutely not true. Um, and that can be for a variety of different reasons. I certainly do not say everybody is interested in sex. Nope. I make sure that um, no matter who I'm talking to, whether it's with uh, somebody that I'm supporting, whether it's with a family, whether I'm giving a training, that my words are very clear. Many people are interested in sex. Many people masturbate. Um, lots of people. And some people don't, and that's totally valid, and it's not a, an indication that something's wrong. So what I 
think is really interesting about that question. Um, if I were identifying in a different way, I think there are a lot of different ways that I could answer that. Um, so as, for example, like as a woman, there are definitely other people who have, you know, uplifted and promoted the interests of other women. Um, so as somebody who identifies as asexual, what I think is really interesting is um, it's a group of folks who are, I mean, really like it's a super invisible minority um, to the point where, you know, if I'm at a conference or if I'm talking to other folks um, who identify as, um, you know, being in a minority or marginalized group that, you know, it's sometimes fairly invalidating. So to answer the question, and I don't know if the first part answers it, um, so where do I gain inspiration from? The, the interesting thing is what really made everything click and connect and what helps me, I think, often explain asexuality to people doesn't necessarily come from somebody who identifies as asexual, or if they do, um, it's not something that I think has ever been disclosed. I never make the assumption, right? Um, so there's a, a sexuality educator, um, his name's Al Vernaccio, and there's a, there's a TED talk that he did. It's also in um, a book that he authored that's called For Goodness Sex, and it's written for families. But um, he, uh, he takes issue with this concept of consent like baseball, where there's a winner and a loser. And he says that consent in relationships, I'm getting to my point, um, that it's more like ordering a pizza. So he did this thing where he took the concept of consent and modeled it with food. And that went, I went, wait a minute, I think in metaphors all the time. And I started thinking about asexuality as like, so metaphorically with vegetarianism. Here's why that's important for me. I was a vegetarian for yeah, at least two decades. I don't remember how long it was. It was a while. And my reasons for being a vegetarian were really specific that it was um, predominantly, it was a choice that I was making, but it was also um, something when I was doing it, it made me feel better. And I started thinking, you know, there are people I know who are, um, who are vegetarians because they feel like, you know, morally it's the right thing to do. So sort of like people who abstain from partnered sex because they feel like it's the right thing to do. There are people who um, are vegetarians because like they just, they, they literally can't even. So the idea of, you know, eating meat is just something like their body is like, nope, not really interested. And when, a vegetarian describes that feeling of, no, you know what? It's just not something, it never really crossed my mind that I should eat meat. Like that's something, you know, why would I do that? That so many people who, who aren't vegetarians, it's almost like it's almost like an affront to <laughs> their entire worldview. How can you say, what do you mean? You, you've never tried meat the right way. And I promise you that's something, like, that's such a thing. Well, you know what? If you try it hard enough, um, and it goes back to, you know, the distinct recent memories I've had where um, being at like the ASECT conference and everybody's just like handing out lube like it's candy. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'll like give this to somebody else, you know? And then like, so sex therapists are giving this to me knowing that, you know, this is, you know, this is who I am. And I'm like, I don't really know what I'm going to do with this, but cool, I guess, whatever. <laughs> I'll share it with my friends. I mean, the very first thing is, you know, the A is for asexual it's it's us we exist and we're here um it can be ally too and that's great and yes please also um so the a can be also let's just make it <laughs> but um this is when i first um started identifying as asexual especially like more openly identifying and making connections within the ace community um it was kind of right on the heels of um, a Pride Month. And that was a conversation about, you know, do we participate? And the first question or the first comment about that was, you know what? People have said, like other folks in the community have said, you know, you don't really belong here. 
And I think there's an interesting, I think that's interesting that, that if for Pride Month, that somebody would be saying, you don't belong here. So I think that's kind of my, you know, what does it mean to me? It means that really, no kidding, we belong here. There is a place for all of us here. Um, and that, you know, me not having the same kind of, you know, interest or feelings or experiences doesn't invalidate somebody else's. So we all get to do our thing. <laughs> this, this, is, this is just what I am. Um, a little bit about me. I would start by saying that I am a queer black millennial woman um, who identifies as Christian as well. Um, and I think that that tells a lot about me in and of itself. <laughs> And the fact that like I grew up in the black church um, and what it means to still identify as queer, um, sorry, to still identify as Christian while identifying as queer. Because um, I think a lot of times when I meet other people in the position that I am, they're more like, oh, I used to be Christian or I'm still struggling with my faith. Um, and so my faith is definitely something that means a lot to me. Um, and it just means something different to me than what other people try to interpret it as. Um, outside of that, I am an activist. I am someone who deeply believes that there is enough of everything in the world for all of us. There's enough money to go around. There's enough food to go around. There's enough housing to go around. Um, and so when I am building out policy or when I'm building out, um, activist campaigns around different things, it's all around that abundance mentality and trying to get people to really see that there's so much more out there for us and that we don't need to really settle um, for politics as usual or for policy as usual. Um, and I am someone who is a New Yorker by way of the South. So um, though I'm now living in Atlanta, I definitely still identify as a New Yorker. I grew up there. Um, mostly born and raised there. And, um, but my family is definitely th coming from the Carolinas and from more like Midwest roots. And I feel very connected to those stories, even if they aren't my own. Um, but I still feel very connected to what's happening in the South as far as land ownership goes, as far as reclaiming the South um, and like acknowledging that there's so much political power there. Um, yeah. I feel like that is, that is who Brie is. My pronouns are she, her, hers. The part of my story that I want people to hear today is the ability to be from a marginalized background without being defined by that. Um, and so I think that from so many different standpoints, from a race, class, sexual orientation standpoint, I think that um, like for, for the LGBTQ community, I feel like we are often only told the sad stories or only told the like, oh, like here are the statistics of how many queer youth experience this or how many queer adults are disproportionately impacted by this. Um, and I feel really called towards injecting the like joyful stories in there. Like I have a beautiful engagement and I do not have a drama filled relationship. and. Um, you know, being queer doesn't need to necessarily come with the pack, you know, the drama and the baggage that I think we are um, denoted. And I think similarly, that is my exact experience with like class and race as well, in the sense that it's like, I love being black and I acknowledge the pain and trauma that comes from being black. But at the same time, like I feel really committed to uplifting the joy um, and all the brilliance that we have to offer. Um, and yeah, and I think that when we lead from that place, I think we can also find activism that doesn't leave us like burnt out or just like feeling like we have to constantly engage in trauma porn. Because for me, it's like, I don't need to prove to myself every day that the fights I'm fighting are valuable. It's like, I know that the issues I'm fighting for exist and I'm not making this up, but I also don't need to dwell there. Um, because I don't want to be hardened by like the current reality, but more like inspired by what is possible. Um, and I think the more people I see and meet and interact with who come from marginalized backgrounds, 
but live lives that are so vibrant and beautiful and joyful. I think that is like activism to me to just like change the narrative and like, you know, like we're supposed to be sad all the time. We're supposed to be like too busy worrying about like how we exist. And so when I get to see people who are not supposed to have joy living in that joy, like that for me is inspiring. And I think I want to be pulled more by that than pushed by like what's hard. Knowing what I know now, <laughs> I would tell my younger self, girl, you was gay. <laughs> I spent so much of my younger years. And I think also it's because I come from like both because of my family, but also just like community wise. I think like black women are so touchy feely with one another. And so I think like when I first started thinking like, am I gay? Like it made me like question like, oh my gosh, like when I was like acting that way with my friends, was that like me being like queer or was that me just like being my, like insert whatever the case may be. And like, I think I got to a place where it was like, no, there are people who are touchy feely and are not queer. There are people who are touchy feely and are like, it's not that you were touchy feely because you're queer, but also like you don't need to spend so much time trying to like rehash old memories and like rehash like oh is this a sign that there's something it's like I wish I could tell my younger self to like just flow and just be and exist and like if a label comes out of that that feels right and that like helps you find community then go for that but don't spend so much time avoiding or trying to find labels that you're not spending time on just like who are you I would definitely say that that is Angela Davis all of the way Um, I really love the way that she honors multiple different ways of getting things done and that she doesn't pit different styles or different lanes against one another. That to me is so valuable and something I just see us doing all the time. And it's like, have we not learned that like you could do what you're doing over there and I could do what I'm doing over here. And it could all be, it could all be valuable. Um, So I love that about her. I also love the way she's so, she's so seamlessly able to, Um, navigate different spaces so like she is such an academic in many ways but she's also a practitioner and she doesn't like stay in the academia of like this is theory it's also like so what does this look like applied and how do I make sure that other people have access to this so she was an academic she was a teacher she was a organizer she was all of those different things and I really love that because I think it's also easy when you honor other different styles to think like oh somebody else is doing that i don't have to and i think there's something really valuable about being able to like roll up your sleeves and do whatever is needed of you in that moment even if it's not you're like quote unquote, you know that's not my wheelhouse like i feel like she's someone who is just like no that's what this moment needs for me and like that's what i'm gonna give it right now and like if that's not what it needs in a year then that's okay it doesn't mean that i was doing something wrong then what does pride mean to me pride to me means no shame yeah i think pride is about allowing yourself to feel the things you feel or want the things you want or um love the people you love without feeling shame and i think like pride is a is a self-declaration before it's like a rallying cry because to advocate for yourself you can't carry shame still and i know this is way more than one to two sentences but i just yeah i think like like you can't Pride is about like actually living in your truth, not just like, I'm gonna like fake it till I make it, but like, no, like you have to really like love yourself before you can go out and love others or ask people to love you, et cetera. I feel like y'all ask the best questions. And even like, I I tried not to pre-plan because I was like, I want it to be organic. So it was just like really like, wow, this really is thought provoking. Like I'm gonna be thinking about these in the shower, like, who are you? You know. <laughs> so my name is Devin Ariel. I go uh, by Mahogany Gel on all of my social media platforms. Um, so whether it's Instagram or, or YouTube, um, you can find me that way. Um, and I identify as a melanated woman of the trans experience. Um, and if you want me to elaborate on that, I can say that. Um, it's in the order that my identities present to the world. And so very first, I'm a melanated woman. That's the first thing people are greeted with. Um, And then next, you know, you can see that if you get to know me and you dig a little deeper, 
you'll see that I'm a woman of the trans experience. And so that's how I describe myself. Um, so I would want for them to get to know my story first and foremost, um, see the resemblances that you might have in your story, because I can guarantee you there is some that's there. Um, there's a lot of people in the world that I feel like I can identify with. Um, but what I would want them to know most importantly is that stories uh, like myself and the stories of others who are similar to me are important. They should be valued. Um, I would want for people to have interest in getting to know our stories because our stories are part of the greater story um, of us existing on this earth together. Um, I would want for them to find value in our stories and to see that, you know, just like them, we have our purpose within society. I say, listen up, girl. <laughs> I'm about to say something important. You need to listen. Um, I would tell her that to not to look for validation of her womanhood um, via the arms or the eyes of a man um, or any individual, and that you are enough just as is, just as the creator has made you, um, and that you are destined for big things. So invest in yourself, get to know yourself, and fully love the individual that you are. So that's what I would say. Yeah, so I would, I would tell that, Devin, that, you know, um, not to be upset. Don't be so angry. Um, don't direct your anger at individuals um, who don't understand what you're going through. Um, and for you to really... That's, you know, this is, this is a, it's a question. Like, this is definitely a question because that, that Devin was in a very, very dark place um, and very unrealized as an individual. Um, and so I'm going to back up a little bit and just say that I would tell, I would tell him or him, yeah, actually him at that point, you know, I would say that, you know, you have a uh, purpose and that this is just part of the process, you know, um, and that one day you will be a beautiful woman that you've always dreamed to be. Um, so have patience, patience. Yes. So for this question, it was a no brainer. Um, I saw it and I automatically knew exactly who that was for me has always been and for, forever will be my mother. Um, she was the very first example of a phenomenal woman in all of her varying facets. Um, I've seen her wear multiple hats throughout my life and she's done it with such grace and poise. And so that is who I model myself after. Pride is a manifestation of self-acceptance for all that you are, um, all that you have been and all that you will be. I would say fuck the haters. Um, fuck anyone who does not accept you. If they're your family, they're your friends, spouse, whatever it is, you have to, this is the part, this is the time where you have to be selfish and love yourself to the point where you won't allow any toxicity or anyone who is non-supportive in your life. First step. Second step is to get to know your history get to know the history of trans people and um, the, the, the ways that we were respected within uh, societies um, pre-colonial, um, understand the effects of colonialism on our society and why um, people who are trans or um, have varying identities, um, why they've been cast out to the shadows. Understand that first, and I think that's a great place for you to start to start really having um, pride and loving yourself. What I want to say to everyone is to um, be conscious, be conscious and pay attention to those who are around you. Um, everyone, no matter the skin color, our gender identity, our sexual expression, whatever that might be, um, we all have stories that should be valued and we all have our own processes and we all go through things. And so don't be afraid to reach out 
to the next person and make contact and get to know someone who you may not have normally even spoken to on the street because that's how we connect with each other and how we grow. I'd like to start by talking to the other white people listening to this. There's been yet another act of anti-black police violence. I'm specifically talking about George Floyd's murder. This cannot be an isolated event that you decide to raise awareness for and then do nothing about. This is not an isolated incident. The event shouldn't be something that shocks you. Just, you don't have to go back very far. March March 13th, Breonna Taylor, uh, Tony McDade, a black trans man who was just shot and killed by Tallahassee police. This needs to keep us up every night, every single night, not just tonight, not just when you see those videos. And yes, we need to research. We always need to be learning about anti-racism, but we need to act. We need to constantly get to know our whiteness, our guilt, our racism. We need to sit with it. We need to acknowledge it. We need to acknowledge how we benefit from it. We need to understand how we perpetuate the systems of oppression every day. And we need to act, not just today, not just when someone is murdered, every day. And with every single breath, and I'm choosing that word so intentionally, every single breath, that we are so privileged to still have. Okay, so the first question uh, or assignment, I guess you could say, was to give your identity and pronouns. Um, so definitely, you know, my identity and my perspective uh, for all of this is going to be coming from someone who's uh, white and able-bodied, um, first-generation American, uh, assigned female at birth, um, and yeah, I mean, I guess you could say I've been gender non-conforming, non-binary, gender fluid, androgynous, trans my whole life, um, and have always sort of had multiple truths about my gender identity and expression sort of existing all at the same time, um, and... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly read, uh, as a white, um, cis male, often gay, white cis male when I have facial hair. Um, and that's something we can talk about later more. Um, but in terms of how I sort of think about myself, just, you know, as a, as a, as a queer person. Um, and in terms of pronouns, I, there have been so many different ones that people have, um, chosen to use for me or, uh, that I have asked other people to use. And when I say chosen, I, I mean, people just assigning them to you. Um, and none of them, you know, really right or wrong, sort of the way I think about it now in terms of, um, gender, which was very different from how I, I, I used to, th to think maybe, you know, a decade ago. Um, it was really important to me to be called one thing versus another thing versus another thing. Um, but now none of them are really right or wrong. I, I professionally, I uh, use male pronouns and that is a very conscious choice right now and something that I'm thinking about um, every day uh, because it's, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, a lot to unpack because it's a lot of privilege and um, it's also a false sense of security and it's also silence. Um, 
And it's also has allowed me um, to help a lot of people in a lot of places where I would not have been able to go otherwise. Uh, so anyway, a lot to think about there, but, but that's basically the answer to the first question. Okay, the second question um, was about having the opportunity to, to tell uh, my story and, and wondering what the part would be that I would want the world to hear uh, today. And I mean, I, I don't really think about my transition as a, as a transition. Um, language is sort of so limited here, uh, you know, and you'll hear people say that, oh, there's, there's new identities, words for identities um, every day. They can't keep up. And, you know, that's kind of bullshit. All of these things have existed forever and people are just giving names to those things that have always existed um, without being afraid to do so. Uh, so uh, anyway, when I, when I use sort of the language of transition, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find some common ground with a larger audience, I guess, um, so that people can sort of uh, conceptualize um, the, 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 the journey of my life um, so far. The most important thing to know, I think, is that gender is indeed a social construct. Uh, if you don't know about that, I would definitely suggest uh, reading up and having lots of conversations with people. And once your consciousness is, is raised um, about this, uh, you know, you'll never sort of see the world again or experience it the same way again. And and it will permeate uh, everything that you see and do. Uh, it's actually a very similar experience to, uh, you know, the journey of becoming a behavior analyst. And you sort of have these aha moments when everything clicks and you start to see the world, uh, you know, as a bunch of stimuli and responses. Uh, and certainly I do not think that... Uh, the two things are separate. I think that, you know, there's a lot of work to be done in terms of understanding, uh, you know, through the lens of behavior analysis and uh, relational frame theory, how how these constructs have perpetuated so much uh, violence in our world. Um, but definitely, uh, you know, uh, learning about uh, the social construction of gender would be something that I would want everyone to know about. Um, also, just in case, you know, there are people who still think that uh, queer, and I'm using that really as an umbrella term here for trans people, um, gender nonconforming people, uh, the whole gamut, um, that there's no fixing of anybody that needs to happen. You know, there's really, there's just a tremendous amount of joy and love and freedom of expression and beauty and strength and fun, um, you know, that is this life and this community, um, or these communities, I should say, plural, uh, and that there's, there's, there's no need to be, you know, saved or fixed. Um, uh, you know, I wouldn't trade who I am or my journey or any of the people, um, you know, that I love who've experienced, uh, their journeys and their communities, you know, I don't think any of us would, would trade it for anything. Uh, that, you know, that being said, along with all of that beauty and strength and joy, um, in these journeys, you, you, when you start to see things really clearly and start to sort of see the world really clearly, um, it becomes apparent how toxic masculinity uh, can be. Um, I've really experienced that firsthand. Um, it, it just permeates every system of violence you can imagine, and it, it harms everyone. Um, and misogyny is a very real thing. Um, 
internalized misogyny and otherwise, you know, for cis women, for trans people, for everybody, uh, it's really important that we are, are challenging um, masculinity and misogyny all the time uh, within ourselves and, and within our communities um, and that we are, you know, speaking out loud about it and constantly you know, analyzing with a critical lens, okay, okay, what are these systems of power? Um, who are they harming? Um, how are they harming us? How are they harming the people we love? How are they informing every single thing that we do, that we say, that we buy? You know, you've got to understand it as well as you understand the complexities of, uh, you know, a severe self-injurious behavior that you're writing a behavior plan about so that you uh, know exactly when it's happening and who it's happening to and what are the contingencies that are reinforcing it um, so that we can not reinforce it <laughs> anymore uh, because it's harming a lot of people and not just a lot of people, it's harming everyone and disproportionately so uh, people of color, trans women of color, non-binary people of color, uh, and we really need to do the work that helps to undo those systems and build new ones in their place. Okay, the next question was, knowing what you know now, what would you tell your younger self? Um, what a beautiful question. I would want myself to know that Definitely, you know, this journey is not linear, which is why talking about it even like a transition from one thing to another is, is just not accurate. Uh, it's not linear, and it is not easy, and it is hard, and uh, it's weird, and it's, you know, every day of your life, um, and it's a really big undertaking and you don't have to let everybody in it's good to have boundaries it's difficult because maybe some things that you'd want to be private are also um, public because of the nature of some of the aesthetic things that are happening or your to your body um, and it really it can get really challenging um and it's okay to feel really tired um it's okay to understand to feel the weight of it uh and the weight of of what comes with knowing that people in your community um are dying at the hands of themselves at the hands of other people, knowing that you yourself might be scared to walk out the door every single day, uh, knowing that things are, you know, the, wor the, wor the world is not built for you, so to speak, um, is that the, all of that struggle, that is... That is what is going to bear such an incredible capacity for compassion and empathy for everybody, not just for the people who are like you, not just for the people who are in your communities. And that's a gift. And you have to keep going as long as you can uh, and you'll be saying to younger people one day when you are a wonderful resource for them uh, that we have to stay alive as much as we can and carry some of the weight of all of this for each other so I think I would tell myself what I still tell myself every day, even as you know someone who's approaching 35 this year, I tell that four-year-old, five-year-old, 
all the way up until now uh the best the the best way i've i've ever heard it said and uh something i really draw a lot of strength from uh this queer uh incredible 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 queer black poet Letta Neely, uh, in one of her poems called Connections, uh, writes, and I hope I'm, I'm not misquoting it, but I, I say it to myself so much that it should be pretty verbatim here. Um, On these New York City streets, I've seen cracks in the sidewalk and grass spurting through like revolution holding fast to one creed only. Keep going. Keep going, baby. Keep going. You know, I, so many Sylvia Rivera and Marsha P. Johnson and uh, Miss Major, uh, uh, Dean Spade and uh, and um, Pat Califia and uh, so many. You know, and then people whose 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 names are are not so well known, but have really uh, you know made a tremendous impact on communities like. Uh, Bryn Kelly or Tourette Davis, um, and and then Kate Bornstein, you know, as someone who uh, you know I've 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 loved for a long time, uh, and and the people really, you know, who 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 you meet along the way. Uh, my mentor, one of my first mentors, who who one day when I was crying to her about. Uh, not being able to wear what I wanted to work um, out of out of fear of um, you know being sent to HR or whatever um, was explaining to me that she wears a costume to work every day and and you know how much that meant to me as a as a really young person um, to start to understand um, you know the performative part of gender. Um, or the friends who I met at a bar who, you know, lifelong friends now who will, who, uh, helped me petition for a gender neutral bathroom. Um, you know, in, this is back when sort of that conversation was first, uh, really coming into the mainstream. Um, I feel like it was 2007 or something. Um, and again, that conversation has been around for, for a lot longer than, than that, but I was at a working at a place that really you you would have assumed to have had been one of the leaders in um, sort of creating spaces for uh, people of different genders, uh, and there wasn't. And so the people who you know fought that fight with me when it was still you know kind of a weird thing to do was definitely not uh, trendy um, and was not received uh, <laughs> um, very well. And you know the people who the 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 young trans people in my life right now who just amaze me, um, and it's not just one uh, person, it's not just one community, um, it's all of it. It's all of the people who who you know some of the people who even wouldn't want to be named. Um, who some of whom want to exist completely within the binary, um, or at least pass as, as living in the binary. Some who want the absolute opposite of that. Uh, you know, all of these people, I am, I am grateful for, and pulled strength and inspiration from every single day. Okay, so last question was one to two sentences about what pride means for me. Uh, it's great that you put a cap on it, because as you can see, brevity is not <laughs> my strong point. Um, so for me, pride is really about holding space for the celebration of all of this. So all of all of the things that we've been talking about, the really, really hard stuff, uh, the really beautiful stuff, uh, the communities, um, the self-reflection, uh, all of that, just, just uh, you know, showing up and honoring each other. And uh, if that could count as one big run-on sentence, uh, the second sentence would be... Um, honoring, uh, acknowledging, and being indebted to the 
incredible people who came before us, um, so many of whom, uh, as I've been talking about, were queer and trans people of color. And pride has to mean, it has to mean, that celebrating the love that we have today encompasses deep self-reflection and action and commitment to a better world for everybody. So I'll start off by saying thank you for taking this time to actually let us hear your story and to take just even a few moments to let us in to who you are. You know, we've been on this journey together for a long time and I've gotten the opportunity to get to know you better, but there's something special about this episode for me to have a space where everyone can say what they want to say, how they want to say it, when they want to say it. And so um, I'm just really honored that you are part of this, this beautiful project. So thank you. All right. So let's start out. Can you tell our audience members a little bit about yourself? Introductions are the hardest thing. doesn't matter where you are. Um, <laughs> I am one of the co-hosts of Beautiful Humans, the social change cast. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> all right. So I am a, I guess, white, identify as white, um, non-binary, transgender human. Uh, my pronouns are they and them. Um, I don't know what to say about myself that's relevant for this conversation. I think um, part of my experience that's important to me was that I was raised as a Christian in the Protestant church. Um, and, and now, not because of um, gender or sexual orientation or anything like that, um, but identify as an atheist. Um, again, not a result of how certain churches view um, identities uh, that, that are in alignment with mine. But, um, but I do think that whole experience played a large role in my development as a, as a human being. Um, if you had the opportunity to tell your story, what would be the part that you want the world to hear today? So I thought a lot about this and being one of the people that created these questions. <laughs> I wrote down, <laughs> I was telling you before we recorded, I wrote down my answers um, and just like notes of things that I would want to say prior to hearing anybody else's answered so I wouldn't be influenced. But I think um, in terms of this part of my story, I almost think of like themes and I think privilege plays a huge role in my story. Um, but also the part that people tend to miss or that some see very well because they know me closely is is one of like perseverance and resilience and this um need to be authentic and not be anything else um and it's taken a, a long time to get to that point um to even have the space to realize what that is or what that feels like um i did not even hear the word non-binary until i was 30 two I want to say and um and I think it was 2020 when I came out told my parents I was gay um and you know spent the better part of my adulthood in um in a relationship that I'm no longer in but had identified um as cisgender and um and gay and and I thought that that was enough I thought that that was good but there were always like these little things that just didn't feel right. And I thought it was just a, a part of the experience of um, being a person who was just uncomfortable with their body or something like that. And it wasn't until I heard this word non-binary that um, it's like everything kind of like clicked into place. But at the same time that everything clicked into place, like everything kind of like fell out of place. Cause it's like, now I was in this nice secure place that um, I understood and that the world understood relatively, even if they didn't agree with it, they can understand it. But now everything that makes sense to me and how I, and I can't even explain like the, how, how you identify that way. It just feels right. Um, now that doesn't make sense to anybody. And now that is living this identity um, that 
is 10 times harder than it was before. Um, so I don't know if that answers the question necessarily, but I think that it's um, uh, the, the story or what I would want people to know is that, um, you know, through, through all of this, like being authentic, it's, it's not always easy. Um, and it doesn't always come when you would expect it to come. Um, and that there's a lot of pain, but also a lot of joy associated with all of that. Knowing what you know now, what would you tell your younger self? This is such a, an act consistent like, like exercise that we would do at like a conference or workshop or something where you go back and you think about um, yourself as a child. And, and I thought a lot about this question too and trying to, to revisit what life was like. And, and again, I lived a, a very like a life of privilege and it was great and I was supported. I had all the resources I ever needed. Um, but I think going back and telling myself all the struggle that I didn't realize I was having is just to know that I, at that point in time, I'm more than the boxes that people put me into. Um, that the, the weird qualities or the things that people didn't understand or the things that were quote unquote wrong with me, um, along with all of the, like that in and of itself was whole and beautiful and completely valid. Um, and just because I did not fit into this box that um, whether it was my parents or the community I was raised in or society at large didn't quite understand or didn't see to be in alignment with what made them comfortable. That doesn't mean that, um, that anything was wrong with me as an actual person. Who is the ancestor or the movement leader in which you pull or have pulled your strength or inspiration from? You asked me this question and we briefly talked about it on the phone. And I was like, I don't like, this is all so new to me that I haven't explored as in terms of like the history um, enough to have that, but I have to have pulled inspiration from somewhere. And I think sometimes we don't realize that we do. And, um, and I think there are a lot of examples of strength and resilience and courage that are out there currently. And those are in the people that live their truth and at to what cost it might be, um, whether it's the harm and violence they experience and they continue to persevere through all of that. Um, but then also inspiration in terms of like the, the you know, from the, the generations behind me, um, you know, the ones that my kids are in and wanting to do better for them. Um, the, if you just talk to a kid and ask them and tell them about gender and how it's fluid and some people might not, they, they, they're so accepting, they're so innocent, they're so, um, like that is what I wish the rest of the world would be and that ability to see beauty in people regardless of how they identify is inspirational in and of itself. Well, with Pride Month upon us, in one to two sentences, what does pride mean to you? So in like two words, one being hyphenated, like pride is unapologetic self-love. Mm. <laughs> like straightforward, like nothing... Um, it's, and that's hard. It's hard to say that um, because all the messages that you're kind of sent. But if you think of pride removed from everything else and, and being proud of yourself, it is. It's, it's unapologetic self-love. Well, I certainly feel like I learned a lot. I loved a lot. I felt a lot during these segments. And so I hope that our listeners also were experiencing some private events during this time um, that got them closer to their own humanity, other people's humanity, um, and just gets them excited to celebrate pride, celebrate other people's pride for themselves and their radical self-love and unapologetic self-love, as Aaron described. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I really hope that you all acknowledge um, how much vulnerability that took. Um, sometimes recalling some of these things, it, it requires um, people to go into places that might be painful uh, 
you know, and so there's just show some gratitude, I think, you know, um, send some people some love, what on social media and stuff like that. Share your stories if you want. And if you're listening and you're not of the community, like I am not, recognize that it's a privilege that these stories are being told, um, that people are willing to share their stories. Um, it's the privilege that you get to listen to their stories without interruption. And so I, I feel extremely full in this moment that we've had people that have just been so giving and they, they didn't have to, they didn't have to give us the space. And, um, I hope they, I hope that you can take that with you. So with that being said, your homework is enjoy pride, do some research on pride month and get to know, we asked about ancestors and movement leaders, get to know some movement leaders of the pride community of the LGBTQIA, a, a question. I, I forget, Aaron. What hey, the, what, honestly, what it, um, it, there, there are a couple different versions, but maybe, maybe throughout the month, we can provide some education on that too. That'd be great. Oh, that would be awesome. So homework for us and homework for y'all. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you for committing to being beautiful humans with us. We'll see you next time. It's Denisha and Aaron. I just wanted to take the time here to let you know that if you're thinking about doing a podcast, there's a way for you to do a show without having to become an audio editing and production wizard. Yeah, you know, uh, we probably would have never gotten the show off the ground if it wasn't for a pretty easy podcast. So pretty easy podcast helps podcasters get their shows recorded and posted with a complete podcast studio at your disposal. Record from your home or your office or at the park. Pretty Easy Podcast caters to your schedule and gives you a producer for your show at your beck and call. So if you have an idea for a show and you need someone to rely on to help you get it done, go to prettyeasypodcast.com and sign up today. Be heard and have some fun podcasting. You know you want to do it, so go to prettyeasypodcast.com today. Mm-hmm.